400. This is Tony Stewart here to tell you about a way veterans and service members can get on the fast track to well-deserved benefits. It's called eBenefits, a website created by VA and DOD that gives veterans, service members, and families instant access to more than 40 benefits and services. It's a way to serve those who have served us. To get started, just go to www.ebenefits.va.gov or just do a search for VA eBenefits. Brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. There is a part of our world where toxic chemicals and carcinogens are leaching into our environment. It's the ground underneath every littered cigarette butt. Let's stop the toxic litter. Learn more at RethinkButts.org. Brought to you by Legacy and Leave No Trace. The Amazon's rainforest is being cut down so fast that by 2030, 55% of it could be completely wiped out. The Earth's forests can't speak up when they need help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit WorldWildlife.org. the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. The Rush Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Now, here's your host, Radical Ross Belleville. Day, tokers and tokets and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Tuesday, November 24th, 2015, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. We are ready for another great episode here on CannabisRadio.com. So glad you could all join us today. We've got another highlight, a fantastic speech from the International Drug Policy Reform Conference that took place last weekend in Arlington, Virginia, at the Crystal City, which is right there by the Pentagon. And it was Damon Barrett who came to speak about uh, the European perspective on legalization of drugs and harm reduction. And he opened his speech with a very, very, uh, very crushing insight, I should say, on the uh, the recent refugee crisis that is that is plaguing uh, the world that I shouldn't say plaguing that is affecting the world here uh, as the refugees are fleeing Syrian uh, atrocities. Uh, We'll let him discuss that as we get into the half past segment in what we'll be calling across the pond. Also on the show today, we'll have a chance to have a radical rant because I read something today that really Got my blood boiling. It's um, an op-ed from a guy here in the state of Oregon who claims that since marijuana has become legalized, that means it'll be easier for his son to get ahead in the world because Oregon will be so filled with dopers. So, yeah, we'll take a look at that and dismantle as much of it as we can with the time that we have. Uh, Going along that same sort of line in Reefer Madness Debunked today, We're going to do a look at another columnist, this one from the Christian Post, who uh, summoned the ghost of Art Linkletter and the ghost of Richard Nixon. We're going to puncture a hole in the whole notion of social drinking that's used to defend why alcohol is legal and why marijuana is not. Also on the show today, we'll go behind the headlines to take a look at a new effort in California To help conserve water that is being used by the state's pot growers, it involves regulation rather than prohibition. What do you know? Regulation works. We'll take a look at that. 
But first, we'll get into the cannabis radio news in the headlines from the Associated Press. Today, we've got news from Denver pulling back on their restrictions on their residency. We'll give you the details there. Alaska also taking a look at its residency requirements for marijuana licensees. We've got a case from Illinois where marijuana money has been banned for political contributions. That's getting a First Amendment lawsuit. We've got North Dakota fighting for medical marijuana, needing just a few signatures, but trying to do it with an all-volunteer grassroots effort. And turkey dinners being given away, being raised by a nonprofit here in Oregon that's having trouble getting someone to accept them because they're involved with cannabis. Yes, even when you legalize, it takes a while to erase the stigma. All that's coming up in our first hour, then in hour two, it's Toker Talk Radio. You can call in live at 971-533-7111. The topics are open, and we'll discuss them right here on The Voice of the Marijuana Nation. It's the Russ Bellville Show. to the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. The son of a Polish immigrant who grew up in a Brooklyn tenement, he went to public schools, then college, where the work of his life began, fighting injustice and inequality, speaking truth to power. He moved to Vermont, won election and praise as one of America's best mayors. In Congress, he stood up for working families and for principle, opposing the Iraq War, supporting veterans. Now he's taking on Wall Street and a corrupt political system, funded by over a million contributions, tackling climate change to create clean energy jobs, fighting for living wages, equal pay, and tuition-free public colleges. People are sick and tired of establishment politics, and they want real change. Bernie Sanders, husband, father, grandfather, an honest leader, building a movement with you to give us a future to believe in. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News, covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com, featuring reporting from the Associated Press. Now, your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds in the Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, November 24th, 2015. 
Denver city officials pulled back Tuesday from immediately seeking another two-year moratorium on new players in the city's legal marijuana market, approving instead a four-month extension to study the issue further. Only existing medical marijuana businesses have been able to open recreational dispensaries, grow houses, or edible manufacturers during the first two years of retail pot sales in Colorado. That restriction was set to expire on January 1st, but the city proposed extending it for two more years. Several marijuana business owners at Tuesday's 90-minute meeting said limiting the market even for a short time creates problem for those entrepreneurs looking to get into Denver's pot market. Though retail marijuana businesses have been limited to those already with a medical license, there has been an influx of applicants for medical licenses with no appreciable increase in the number of medical marijuana patient registrations. The Alaska State Marijuana Control Board adopted new rules that could blow the door wide open to outside investment. Marijuana businesses must be 100% Alaskan-owned, but the definition of what makes an Alaskan was changed from matching what is needed to receive a permanent fund dividend to matching voter registration requirements, which is far easier to achieve. The board voted to remove a cap on THC limits for marijuana concentrates. A prior draft version had capped THC at 76%. Marijuana can be packaged in such a way as to allow consumers to see the product before they purchase it in a retail store. Another big change Friday was allowing for marijuana retail licenses to have an area for on-site consumption of marijuana. An adult 21 years or older would purchase marijuana and consume it in a designated area on the store's premises, similar to a bar. Two libertarian political candidates have asked a federal court to declare unconstitutional an Illinois ban on political contributions from the state's new medical marijuana industry. The candidates, Claire Ball of Addison and Scott Schluter of Marion, filed a lawsuit in U.S. District Court in Chicago last week in which they say they support marijuana legalization and want to solicit campaign donations from marijuana businesses. Illinois law bars such contributions. Ball is running for state comptroller. Schluter is running for state representative in Southern Illinois' 117th district. They argue that banning campaign donations from marijuana businesses infringes on the First Amendment's guarantee of free speech, citing, among other cases, the U.S. Supreme Court's 2010 decision in the case known as Citizens United. The ban on political contributions was among concessions sponsors made to pass the bill in 2013, said the former coordinator of the Illinois program. Supporters of a proposed ballot measure to legalize medical marijuana in North Dakota hope to start collecting petition signatures next week, the chairman of the sponsoring committee said. Riley Ray Morgan of Fargo said the corrected version of the petition was expected to be sent by overnight mail Tuesday to Secretary of State Al Jager, who will review it and, if everything is right, issue a letter approving the petition for circulation. If Jaeger approves the petition, Morgan said the North Dakota Committee for Medical Marijuana hopes to start gathering next week the 13,452 valid signatures it needs by July 11th to get the statutory measure on the November 2016 general election ballot. He said the group hopes to collect about 15,000 signatures. The group plans to use only volunteers after the last attempt to put medical marijuana on the statewide ballot in 2012 failed because of forged signatures that led to fraud charges against paid petition circulators. An Oregon nonprofit trade organization based on philanthropy has reached out to help during the holiday, but had the offer turned down. The group, Women Leaders in Cannabis, says it's been denied several times. The Eugene Office of the Oregon Department of Human Services and two charities said no when the group wanted to donate turkey dinner baskets to clients in need. 
but they finally found a group who said yes. Kind Tree Autism Rocks is a volunteer group that celebrates people in the autism community. When WLC said they wanted to donate food baskets, Autism Rocks was excited to receive them. The group says they are not concerned about WLC's associated association with cannabis, and at least $50 worth of food are in each of the baskets and will go to 20 families in need. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, November 24th, 2015. I'm Russ Belville. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your Cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPAs Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> More flavor. Welcome back, everybody. Time for us to go behind the headlines where we can bring you some breaking news coming out of the state of California and their fight for the legalization of marijuana in 2016. Richard Lee, the founder of Oaksterdam University and the chief proponent of Prop 19 back in 2010, is now endorsing the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, the effort backed by a group of Silicon Valley funders led by Napster co-founder and early Facebook investor Sean Parker. This news comes to us directly from Marijuana.com. It's an exclusive uh, broken by Tom Angel. He, of course, is the stellar, stellar activist who recently uh, delivered 100,000 petition signatures to the White or to the uh, Drug Enforcement Administration, calling for the firing of Chuck Rosenberg for his medical marijuana is a joke comments. Now, Tom is breaking the news that Richard Lee is going to be endorsing the Sean Parker Marijuana Initiative. And what makes this such interesting news is that Richard Lee is a board member of the Coalition for Cannabis Policy Reform, CCPR, which is also known as Reform CA, Reform California, the Dale Sky Jones-led effort uh, to build a coalition, a consensus to move forward with marijuana legalization in 2013. Richard Lee, in an interview with uh, Tom Angel at Marijuana.com, said, quote, it's important that we all get together to support one initiative and... I believe a majority of the CCPR board is ready to endorse the Parker initiative at the next board meeting. We shall see how that puts together. Uh, That's just your breaking news here in our behind the headlines segment. Uh, There has not yet been a comment from Dale Sky Jones did not respond to comment uh, in time for Tom's piece. I'll reach out to Dale as well. See if I can get comment from her. Uh, before we head into the Thanksgiving holiday, um, Nate Bradley, 
uh, who's on the CCPR board. He's the executive director of the California Cannabis Industry Association. They've been endorsing since uh, Sean Parker filed. Uh, He says he's very excited about Lee's endorsement. It's important for CCPR to join the coalition so we can all stand in support as one unified voice. Bradley said this will allow us to work together to make sure the AUMA Adult Use of Marijuana Act or the Sean Parker initiative is the best drafted initiative it can be. Drug Policy Alliance and Marijuana Policy Project have also signed on to support the Sean Parker initiative. So. It's beginning to look uh, to me, folks, like that's going to be the thing. The Sean Parker initiative is going to be the way people are going to move forward in legalization in California. Now, I know there's other initiatives out there, most specifically the Jack Herrer initiative, which would uh, be the most wide ranging and and sweeping marijuana legalization possible. But the big money is going to go toward uh, a legalization initiative that comports with the Cole Memorandum that uh, gives us some measure of cover from the federal government stomping all over these legalization efforts. And when it comes to California, it's far too big a prize for us to be moving forward with the most radical of legalization proposals. Um, It's really just tilting at windmills at this point, since I really don't believe that the Jack Herrer initiative has any sort of chance of making the ballot uh, in California, the amount of money it is going to take to be able to get the signatures to get on the ballot is just staggering. And when you look at the, uh, the Sean Parker group, in addition to Sean Parker uh, being worth somewhere around $3 billion net worth himself, Other people that are involved in this include the Pritzker family, uh, members of the Pritzker family. Now, uh, if you've not, if you don't, those names don't sound familiar, uh, just do some Googling. They are heirs to the Hyatt hotel chain. So kind of like Paris Hilton ish, but a different hotel chain, right? Uh, Nick and Joby Pritzker. And last time I looked, there were, I can't remember the number of them, but there was more than three or four Pritzkers in the most rich families in America list. Plus, you got Graham Boyd, who is basically the man uh, who advises the Peter Lewis estate, the progressive insurance billionaire. So the big money is already beginning to coalesce behind this Adult Use of Marijuana Act. And given what's already passed in four states... And some of this progress that these states are making, like Alaska allowing for on-site consumption, I think bodes well for being able to write those kind of progressive uh, sorts of legalization initiatives, get that passed in the state of California, set the precedent for the rest of the nation as we move forward into a future of marijuana legalization. What are you people? On dope? Well, yeah, a little. That's kind of my job, isn't it? Hey, folks, it's 20 after. That means it's 420 in the Mountain Time Zone, live here from CanvasRadio.com, with my new handy telephone attachment for my cell phone. It's so 20th century, it just it makes me glow. <laughs> We're back with some uh, reefer madness to debunk right after this. Marijuana is not addictive. But listening to the Russ Belleville show is... 
Get dot buzz. Dot buzz is the internet platform that fuels community interest, excitement, and new experiences. Dot buzz is the premier online destination for internet users seeking the latest news on a variety of topics. Dot buzz appeals to groups active in blogging, communications, journalism, advertising, and marketing. Dot buzz offers registrants a stronger alternative to the shrinking namespace of existing top-level domain names such as dot com, dot net, and dot org. Get your name now at get dot buzz. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Produces in its users in criminality and death. Marijuana is the most violence-causing drug in the history of mankind. If the hideous monster Frankenstein came face to face with the monster of marijuana, he dropped it from fright. You know, it's not easy countering seven decades of propaganda in a two-hour show, but let's try. It's time time for the Russ Russ Belleville Show's Show's Reefer Reefer Madness Madness Debunked. All right, folks, we've got to jump headfirst into this one. It's a column from the Christian Post entitled More on Marijuana Madness. And it's a follow-up to a column they printed earlier called Marijuana Madness. The column here is written by John Stone Street. So I love the name, Stone Street. Works for me. And John complained about the rush, the accelerating push for legalization, and said we ought to slow down, slow down here. Why such a rush? Because one, marijuana use is addictive, and two, marijuana use may produce deeply pathologic consequences. <laughs> okay, well, first of all, I love this idea, why why the rush to legalize marijuana, as if Keith Strop hasn't been trying to do this since 1971. That, you know, 44 years is no rush, John Stone Street. <laughs> it's it's a snail's pace. And this idea that marijuana is this brand new thing. Oh, my God, we better not rush into it. Suddenly, there's this new thing called marijuana. We better start taking a look at it. As if there's not over 20,000 published studies on PubMed peer-reviewed studies, scientific studies, meta-analyses, etc. on PubMed. You just go to the search, you type in C-A-N-N-I-B asterisk, you get cannabidiol, cannabinoids, cannabis, anything with a cannab in it. You get over 20,000 studies. And as if we don't have 7,000 years of recorded human history with this plant. So, don't give me this. Oh, we got to slow down. We got to study it. Oh, there's just not enough information. Give me a break. But I had to I had to laugh because he was shocked by how much commentary they received on Facebook in response to their original marijuana madness. And 
they have to defend themselves saying, no, we don't support harsh punishment for marijuana smokers. And and no, we don't really imprison a whole lot of marijuana smokers, only 400 of them for possession alone. Well, yeah, still, that's 400 too many. And it ignores all the collateral consequences and the fact that people end up in prison because of marijuana's prohibition that don't actually show up as just marijuana prohibition, uh, marijuana possession, all sorts of ways we can debunk that. It also says, oh, we need to explore the medical benefits of, of, of marijuana. But that's different from the intent to get high. And also uh, says that a lot of the Facebook commenters complained that cigarettes and pharmaceutical drugs and alcohol are far more dangerous. And this is where we start to get into his reefer madness. He says, these folks have a point, but saying other substances are also dangerous doesn't change at all whether pot is dangerous, does it? And he goes in here to the very, this point, which is what I call the Art Linkletter gambit. Refers to a conversation Art Linkletter and Richard Nixon had that was captured on the Nixon tapes, the White House tapes. And it illustrates this very, very important point to the prohibitionist, to the Puritan, when it comes to their understanding of marijuana. And he says, quote, it is, and even then, while abuse and addiction is always bad, there is this difference. Abuse and addiction are always bad. There is this difference between the substances mentioned by our critics and pot. It is possible to use tobacco and alcohol with an intent other than to get high, but the only intent in using marijuana recreationally is to get high. It's the old art link letter, Richard Nixon. Drinkers drink to be social. Tokers smoke to get high. Well, every time someone brings up this idea that alcohol and tobacco are being used by people for reasons other than the pharmacological effect of those substances, I ask them this. Next time you have your little gathering, your little event, your little party, your little soiree, replace all the beer with O'Doul's non-alcoholic beer. Replace all the bourbon with iced tea. Replace all of the wine with grape juice. And replace all of the cigarettes with those little e-cigarette vaporizers that just give you vapor, like a flavored vapor with no nicotine in it. Make those replacements and tell me how well your uh, people at the event achieve their other intents than getting high. See, what happens is these people don't understand that the effect you are feeling from a drug is the reason why you use it. That includes sugar, folks. You use sugar for a reason for the effect you get from it. Drinkers are drinking the alcohol to get the pharmacological effect of alcohol. Smokers smoke cigarettes to get the pharmacological effect of nicotine, the, the buzz, the rush, the energy they get from it. And cannabis consumers use marijuana to get the mellowing effects, to get the relaxation effects. And if you keep going, yes, maybe perhaps get high as well. But there's so many gradations and such a spectrum that we can refuse to take a look at in that frame. These people don't under they completely understand the difference between a social drink and getting tipsy and getting buzzed and getting drunk and that there are a variation of those levels. The same thing exists for marijuana consumption. Got to get that off my chest. I get so tired of that talking point. <sighs> All right, when we come back, we've got across the pond for you with 
very dedicated activist. Man from Ireland, Damon Barrett, coming up next, talking about reform in the UK. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. The Russ Belleville Show, where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at karcherinsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. One of America's leading exports over the past 50 years has been the global war on drugs. Through UN treaties, we have bent the world to accept our marijuana prohibition. Learn how our allies in Europe are fighting for their freedom as we go across the pond. And now back to Reform Conference 2015. Good morning and welcome. That was beautiful, uh, the memoriam. And I really appreciate Melissa Frankie who worked so hard on that, uh, pulling that together. It's a great honor. So acknowledging you for your work. Um, When I first came to work for the Drug Policy Alliance, it was actually in 2000. And that was so long ago that DPA was still called the Linda Smith Center. And it was a project of the Open Society Foundations housed in a tiny basement um, on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And I was brought on as a consultant to pull together programs for these uh, massive media events convened by Ariana Huffington that were meant to put opposition to the drug war into the national spotlight. At the time, I thought I knew very little about drug policy. My background was in international human rights, but I was charged with pulling together the program for these events that were meant to inspire the uninitiated and get them to care about this issue And in the process, I found myself becoming very passionate about this cause. I met Gus Smith, the father of Kemba Smith, the remarkable woman you met yesterday at the morning plenary, when he came to speak at one of the events to advocate on her behalf because Kemba was still incarcerated. I met medical marijuana patients fighting so hard for the medicine they needed to survive. I met people from Latin America whose lives were devastated by the violence caused by the drug war and prohibition throughout the region. And I met drug users 
who were pushed to the margins of society and denied basic humanity and dignity. I came to realize that this was all connected to my own life, my own community, my family, and the impact and the harms the drug war had had upon us. And not only was the drug war a human rights issue, but one of the principal instruments of violating human rights around the globe that affects each and every one of us. So it's my honor to be here today to present a series of incredible speakers who are really fortunate to have with us today, who will talk to you about the impact of the drug war across the globe and its, its impact on human rights. So please join me in welcoming the first of these speakers. It's Damon Barrett who's joining us. He's a co-founder and director of the International Center on Human Rights and Drug Policy based at the Human Rights Center at the University of Essex, where he's visiting fellow. From 2007 to 2014, he worked at Harm Reduction International, leading the organization's human rights strategy and as deputy director from 2012 to 2014. He is now a PhD researcher at the University of Stockholm, and he lives in, and he helped me in pronouncing this, Gothenburg, Stockholm, Sweden. It's not easy to say. It looks like a different way than it's pronounced. Thank you, Sweden, for being hard for us. But Gothenburg, Sweden is where he lives. So join me in welcoming Damon Barrett. That is a big room. Okay, for a little man. Um, um, thank you, Sharda, and good morning, friends. I begin in Irish uh, to have a little detour, if you don't mind, in the, in the light of events yesterday in Congress. Um, I saw Congress people with names like Connolly and Fitzpatrick and Murphy passing an act that will stop refugees coming into this country. And 170, 170 years ago, Irish people fled famine and repression in their hundreds of thousands and came here. And I, as babies are being washed up on the shores of the Mediterranean, I ask if they've got no sense of history and no shame. Um. So, listen, speaking of Ireland, okay, Catholic Ireland, we legalized same-sex marriage through a constitutional referendum, recognized the legal status of transgender people and are probably having safe injection facilities next year. So things change, right? These are not things, these are not things the Vatican likes. But as I speak, there are more than 10 million people in penal institutions around the world. And we don't know how many, but it's likely millions for drug offenses. Right now, um, we're going to miss global HIV targets by decades. Decades, because we flush our money down the ineffective and abusive sinkhole of enforcement rather than investing in harm reduction. We, right now, billions, billions, four-fifths of the planet, mostly in the developing world, have little or no access to basic medicines for pain. This is people with cancer, people who have been in accidents or undergone surgery. Right now, Hundreds of thousands of people are displaced because of drug-related violence, perhaps millions, and crop eradication campaigns. And on average, today, tomorrow, the next day, and for the rest of the year, two or three people will be executed for drug offenses in the world. So, we could read the human rights indictment of the drug war all day. In fact, many of you have experienced its worst abuses. And you could read your own indictment. And here's the kicker. If this were a trial, 
If this were that, all of these facts would be stipulated by the other side. Nobody denies it's happening. The only disagreement is what's driving it, who's to blame, and what drug policy reform can do about it. So that's what I'd like to speak to, and a whole, a whole conference could go on this, but I'm going to focus on the international regime. Uh, and, but, I, but through that, I hope there's some resonance with national, national systems. Um, so... I know talking about treaties can be tedious and boring, but um, I want to just make two important points. The first is that international law and treaties matter. They do important things. The Refugee Convention is more important than ever. Um, but like any other legal system, there's good laws and there's bad laws. And uh, in this case, we have three drugs treaties which enshrine a certain strategy for how to deal with drugs. And what they require states to do is hugely risky from a human rights perspective. So let's look at why. States have to ban private behaviors. They have to ban indigenous people from doing uh, what they've been doing for millennia. They have to stop religious minorities from pursuing their beliefs. They have to conduct surveillance, arrest people, prosecute them, extradite them. They have to eradicate crops. They have to ban certain forms of expression because of uh, an ill-defined idea of incitement to use drugs. This is what was signed up to. And um, it's done, and it's all carried out, under a so-called principle of shared responsibility. This has been the wording for many, many decades in the UN, and usually used to uh, resist reform. We have shared responsibility to control drugs. Well, who takes shared responsibility for everything I just listed? Who takes shared responsibility? Who shares it for the human rights consequences of what's happening? Ethan said yesterday, everyone went along, right? Well, no matter what they say now, and no matter how friendly some of our governments are, they went along too, and they went along for decades, so everyone, every state has to answer for it. Because it's too easy to say, look at China, look what they do. Look at Indonesia and who they execute. Look at Mexico and its violence. But if you prop up the system that creates the infrastructure in which that takes place, it's your fault too. So, so I think that recognizing past errors is cathartic and it's important. And that includes governments who maybe now see some flaws in this system and want to change it. They have to recognize their own responsibility in creating it. In the In Memoriam, we saw Niels Christie. Well, Niels Christie didn't just refer to drugs as a good enemy. He said it was a perfect enemy. Because a perfect enemy sets up an extraordinary threat that requires extraordinary responses. It doesn't ever die. It never goes away. And it's a moving target. So we had opium. We had marijuana. We had cocaine, crack, novel psychoactive substances, and so on. Um... And the thing is, this is a huge human rights problem because if you identify an extraordinary threat, point the finger at who's to blame for it, human rights abuses are coming and they're exceptionally easy to justify. And a final point about a perfect enemy. The extraordinary responses should not be those that threaten the powerful. So it helps to justify the abuses if the victims are minorities. It helps if they're in the global south. And connecting the dots, it really helps if they're poor. And that's what we have. Um, today, in fact, I'm going to, um, I'm going to a film screening. Uh, there's a fantastic man called Albie Sachs who's speaking. He was a judge on the Constitutional Court of South Africa. 
and before that an anti-apartheid freedom fighter. Now, in 2002, he wrote a wonderful dissent in a case about cannabis use among the Rastafari. The majority of the court said that a, a religious exemption for this already maligned religious minority would threaten the broad prohibition that was in place, and it would uh, undermine South Africa's ability to live up to its treaty obligations. Sachs said, no, 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 hang on. This goes against the tolerance of diversity that is central to the entire constitutional project. And, and this is important, it represented a thumb on the scales for ease of law enforcement. Now, that for me is an important lesson because that's exactly what the UN Drug Control Treaties are. And importantly, that's what they were intended to be, especially the Drug Trafficking Convention. It was intended to make enforcement easier. Um, and this, for me, is an enormous human rights problem because part of the human rights movement is to resist the arbitrary, capricious overreach of state power in, into our lives. And the treaties, in many ways, legitimize that, make it stronger in international law. And that's a major problem for these treaties. And I think a taboo if we're going to break them, that likely wouldn't come up at the UNGAS next year. Um, so, if, if the, uh, the treaties and if drug control is a thumb on the scales for ease of law enforcement, and in our job, in solidarity, is to put all of our weight on the other side of the scales, surely. And um, doing that requires considerably more than arguments about personal freedom. It requires considerably more because a person, in fact, because I mentioned it, in apartheid South Africa, they used to say, no freedom without bread, and no bread without freedom. A starving person is not free. A person working three minimum wage jobs is not fully free. When people's life chances, their opportunities are so curtailed by poverty, um, they are not truly free. And I'm talking, of course, about economic and social rights not just civil rights, for what we do and how important it is. Um, you know, even if we look at drug dependence, there was a, a, a time when people thought addiction, if we want to call it, that was all about the dependence-producing properties of substances. And we know now that's not the case. We know there's a role, but there's so much environmental and social factors going into that. And economic and social rights legislate better for that, better for that than any drug law can. Um, so, personal freedom is really important, but not enough. And marijuana reform is important, but not nearly enough. And you know what? Drug policy reform, I don't think, is enough. Because the damage the drug war has done is so far-reaching. And the causes of so much of the things we care about that lead us into this movement have something to do with something else. So, Ethan, I think yesterday asked, you know, how do we know when we've won, or what does victory look like? I don't know. But I do know this. I won't back off on human rights. I won't do that, so I'll stick to my principles. I also know this, that once the drug war gets out of the way, we're going to have so much more left to do in solidarity with others. But our job will be a lot easier than it currently is. Um, now, I began 170 years ago. I'm going to go back further. According to the Spanish artist Goya, the sleep of reason produces monsters. Or, as he clarified, the uh, 
imagination without reason will bring about impossible monsters. Now, people stood at this podium yesterday and described things that happened to them that should be impossible in a free society, that should be impossible. Life without parole for nonviolent offense. This should be impossible. But the imagination of a drug-free world has brought about its impossible monsters. But I think that HIV made a big noise and started to wake up reason in drug control. And harm reduction has become like that little buzzing alarm clock on snooze mode, reminding reason every three minutes or so to wake the hell up. And, and, I, and I think that human rights, the human rights consequences of the drug war now, it's more like a fire alarm. And there's no sleep anymore possible. And reason has to not only wake up, but stand up. And, um, you know, Goya's image was actually imagination and reason combined will bring about wonders. So I think that if we can campaign for a life of dignity for everybody, in solidarity with them, and if we reject state repression in the name of social policy, and if we reject the legitimization of that level of state power through international law, then I think we combine our reason, everything we know from all of these decades, with our imagination for the world we want. And in that way, I think we'll have impact beyond our drug strategies and, f and for the human rights movement way beyond this room. Um, so that's what I have to say. And just, uh, I should say that England, or English, is in the house. So thank you very much. Ireland is in the house. So Gaurav Mila Mahagwiv Galer and Sweden is in the house. So taxo yetimike. Damon Barrett speaking at the International Drug Policy Reform Conference in Arlington, Virginia this past Friday. All right, we're going to take a little break and when we come back we'll have time to wrap up hour 1 with a radical rant. Directed to an Oregonian who has written an op-ed on how much better the job market's going to be for his kid now that we legalize pot and everybody's getting high. <laughs> Got a few things to say about that. Stay tuned. Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. The Russ Belleville Show, the national wildlife refuge for marijuana unicorns. This is Radical Russ encouraging you to take a look at the Weed Blog every day. Johnny Green and the staff at the Weed Blog are on top of all the latest developments in the fight to end marijuana prohibition nationwide. You can even get the Weed Blog on your smartphone by installing the Weed Blog app for iPhone and Android. If it's about weed, it's on the Weed Blog, including my original writing. So don't delay. Read the Weed Blog today. MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. 
Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on mjwellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out mjwellness.com today. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it. And didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Welcome back. Today's rant subject comes to us from Patrick Fletchall, who has written an article on thefederalist.com entitled. Legalized marijuana just smoked my son's job prospects through the roof. Subtitle, thanks to the legalization of marijuana in Oregon, my son will find a less competitive job market. <laughs> okay, so the first thing right off the bat, let's make sure we understand this is he's an admissions counselor at the University of Oregon, has a master of theological studies from Boston University and a master of philosophy from the University of Aberdeen. And um, Patrick here is worried. He was originally worried about this. He says, um, and, and right off the bat, you know, it's, it's hard to take him seriously when he writes this. As a libertarian, I don't want the government dictating my personal choices. As a voter, however, I was disappointed when Oregon chose to legalize a mind-altering drug. How can you... Hold those two thoughts in your head at the same time and not explode like the guy from Scanners. As a libertarian, okay, Mr. Libertarian, if you don't want the government dictating your personal choices, what the hell business does the government have dictating your personal choice to use marijuana? A plant that comes out of the ground, okay? Now, if you wanted to make, uh, if you wanted to, you know, set your battle flag on manufactured drugs, concentrates or cocaine or heroin, something that requires a man to take and synthesize a natural plant, you might have the bare thinnest thread to hang your argument on. But a natural, non-toxic healing herb and government, you think government has the right to declare that forbidden? And, and I get the feeling you've got some theological study here, right? That was in your background, theological study. Do you remember the story of the first prohibition? God told Adam and Eve, do not eat from the tree of knowledge. Don't eat that apple, Eve. How will that prohibition work out? We're talking about the number one most powerful prosecutor, police officer, judge, imprisoner, punisher there is, God. And he couldn't maintain prohibition. (sighs) All right. So I also like his little parenthetical. He said he says he was disappointed when Oregon, more specifically, Portland, Salem, Eugene and Ashland voters. You know, people who live in cities where there's like libraries and education and commerce going on uh, chose to legalize a mind altering drug. 
So uh, as he goes along here, he says he's got a heading. Parents do follow kids example. And he says, I'm comforted that medical research centers like the National Institutes of Health report that children raised by parents who abuse drugs are almost 80 percent more likely to become drug abusers themselves. While certainly a sad statistic, it also means my son is much less likely to become a pothead. Okay, so Patrick, let's just get some of this terminology correct here. Uh, 80% more likely to become a drug user themselves. Somebody who might consume drugs because they were raised in a family that recognizes that it's okay to use drugs. People use alcohol, people use tobacco, people use sugar, people use Xanax, people use painkillers. We are... Drug-free, you're going to raise your kid in a drug-free home? I bet I can find five drugs in your home. Right off the bat, I can find five drugs in your home having never been there. Oh, but that's different, right? Because those are medicines, or that's caffeine, or that's trans fats, or whatever else that you don't consider to be drugs, but most certainly are, and more likely to be harmful than the marijuana that you're railing about. He uh, goes on to rail on the uh, the recreational marijuana stores and then has this line. I pondered the environments these children will experience as they are taught the prevalent myth that weed is the same as or healthier than alcohol. Prevalent myth. Let's just get one thing straight here. Marijuana is safer than alcohol. It doesn't matter what you want to measure. He's got a couple of hyperlinks here that go to these little studies that say this, that, or the other thing. And whatever harm they want to stipulate from marijuana is a harm that alcohol use creates in spades. They want to, they want to play this straw man argument, right? They say marijuana is harmless. Well, marijuana is not harmless. Who says marijuana is harmless? I'm not saying marijuana is harmless. I'm not saying water's harmless or sugar's harmless or fat is harmless or eating red meat is harmless. No, I won't say any of those things. Every substance we put into our bodies has the potential for harm, especially a substance that's mind or mood altering. So, no, I don't say marijuana is harmless, but compared to alcohol, far less harmful. And, and it's not even a debate. You can't debate this. This isn't like. Well, this is the, this guy's opinion, this guy's opinion. No, it's just fact. It's just fact. It's just the fact that alcohol can kill you from a toxic overdose. Alcohol can kill you from a withdrawal if you're an alcoholic. Neither of those things can happen from marijuana. But then he goes on in his heading, the stats look bad for smokers, talking about uh, unemployment and all of that and making a federalist type argument here as far as, you know, too many regulations are scaring the businesses away. But uh, the point that's salient to our talk here is, shockingly, research has shown that marijuana users have poor job performance. They report sick more frequently due to immune deficiency. <laughs> immune deficiency. Yeah, that's why there's so many of those um, medical marijuana states that allow you to use medical marijuana for AIDS. Because marijuana gives you an immune deficiency. You. The idiocy these people actually believe. He continues saying, have trouble with memory retention. They lack work ethic and function at a reduced intellectual level most of the time. Oh, really? The challenge is still open. You, what's his name from 
Project Sam Oregon, I don't care, any one of you, put together your mental challenge, a game of Jeopardy, Trivial Pursuit, Chess, I don't care, and let's play. Sudoku, crossword puzzles, Scrabble, let's go. If, after all, I'm functioning at a reduced intellectual level most of the time, and um, this idea of lack of work ethic, I have uh, been on the road 100 days this year, 60,000 air miles to 33 cities. I've produced over 200 articles this year alone. I've produced at least 200 shows this year. Please tell me more about lack of work ethic and reporting to work sick. (laughs) Please tell me more about that. So his point is that his son is going to be drug free. And he says, from an employability perspective, it's never been a better time to be drug free. Combined with the fact that marijuana users, male or female, have an increased likelihood of sterility. My odds for raising a professionally successful son jumped dramatically on October 1st. Ha! Yes, sterility. That explains why Bob Marley has 12 kids. Uh, No, that's complete bullshit as well. Marijuana consumers have plenty of kids. Have you ever seen a hippie festival? Have you ever seen those little tie-dye kids running around? Clearly, we're having no trouble reproducing. He concludes by saying, My son may not grow up to be the smartest person in the room, or the most educated, or even the best looking, but he'll now statistically get a leg up on the competition. Now, he likely won't even need to be the most qualified. And that's the tactic. Cap right on it for me. He admits that the more qualified people than his son will be locked out of the job market because of drug testing, because of these continued stigma against marijuana users that he's more than happy to promulgate. Well, what's going to happen here? is eventually companies are going to recognize when they don't drug test, they get some pretty damn good workers, pretty talented people, pretty smart people. And they'll start to get a leg up on these businesses that maintain these anti-American unconstitutional practices of seizing our urine to determine our fitness for employment. It's offensive and it needs to end. Thanks for joining us, everyone. That's hour one in the books. Stay tuned for hour two, Toker Talk Radio. We take your calls live at 971-533-7111. For everyone here at Rolla Day Studios and CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, Tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey y'all, Cedric the Entertainer here with Niecy Nash, taking a break from shooting The Soul Man to introduce you to Patience. Hi, 
Patience is a patient at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for anything because all a family should worry about is helping their child live. St. Jude won't give up until they end childhood cancer, sickle cell, and other deadly diseases. Because of you, there is St. Jude. Learn more at stjude.org. If you slowly lost the ability to walk, what would you remember about your final steps? Victims of ALS lose the power to use their legs, hold someone close, and simply say, I love you, before losing the ability to breathe. Most often, they remain aware and alert to the world around them as their bodies shut down and die. Join the ALS Association's Walk to Defeat ALS and help us find treatments and a cure for Lou Gehrig's disease. Find a walk near you at walktodefeatals.org. This is the story of Daniel, who was born two months early. His lungs weren't ready. His heart wasn't ready. His parents could only hope that one day he would leave the hospital healthy, and they would all live happily ever after. Daniel's is just one of the more than 500,000 stories of babies born prematurely last year. You can help the March of Dimes stop premature birth and bring more babies home healthy. Learn how at marchofdimes.com. Working together for stronger, healthier babies. The faces of IBD are everywhere. Nearly 1 in 200 Americans are suffering with the debilitating pain and constant disruption of inflammatory bowel disease. Learn more at escapethestall.com today. If we continue to consume our natural resources at the rate we do now, by 2050, it could take three Earths to meet our needs. The Earth can't speak up when it needs help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tope. I inhale. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about tope on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the enema man and Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's hour two, Toker Talk Radio. The phone lines are open at 971-533-7111. If you got something you're looking to promote, get some information out there, got questions about science, culture, history, or health, this might be the place to ask. 971 971- 
833-733-7111. From across the United States and Canada and all around the world, we are Toker Talk Radio, where you are the voice of the marijuana nation. I'm Radical Rust, your host here on CannabisRadio.com. Glad to have you here. All sorts of things to talk about here, including the topics you bring up, but I've also got a few I want to talk about. Cute one here out of the state of Oregon. <laughs> this came up on uh, Oregon Public Broadcasting today, OPB. And um, there's, a, there's a town in Oregon called Hermiston, northern, north central Oregon, Hermiston, Oregon. And uh, Oregon, Hermiston, Oregon is well known for its watermelons. They're kind of like you got Idaho potatoes, right? You got Hermiston watermelons, very well known. And the city is also in that kind of conservative West Idaho part of Oregon where they hate pot, voted against Measure 91, don't want to have a bunch of pot shops, right? So the city now has decided that it needs to change its slogan, its tagline. You know how these cities, they have their little advertising campaigns for tourism and all of that. So they have a tagline, and the tagline was, you can grow here. And I say grow because it's in all capital letters, right? So you can grow here. <laughs> well, they launched this back in 2013. <laughs> Problem was in 2014, we went and legalized marijuana. And so now you can grow here makes it sound like, come on, set up your pot shop, set up your your, your pot field. Uh, the city manager Byron Smith said that, quote, a majority of the concerns were about it being tied to marijuana, that it insinuates that people ought to come here to grow marijuana. That was 70 percent of the city residents that didn't like you can grow here. (laughs) So now they're going to put together a focus group to try to come up with something a little more Hermiston friendly, something something about their their melons, their watermelons. I don't know. uh, Get a great set of melons in Hermiston. Or what a nice set of melons, Hermiston. I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm no marketing guru. But uh, that's the that's the Hermiston story. I thought that was kind of funny. And then, then there's this other story. This is on thefix.com. And it's an older story. This was actually from January of last year. But it was, will the legalization of recreational marijuana have an effect on people addicted to weed and it tells this guy's story about how weed was bad for him and he had all sorts of problems right but one of the things that's telling to me is that when we talk about addictions and he he brought up this point that marijuana is not the addictive drug in the same way heroin or alcohol are but we've come a long way in our understanding and definition of addiction No longer is the condition a matter of simple chemical dependency. Addictions, be they to drugs, sex, food, gambling, or anything else, are now perceived as self-destructive behaviors a person is consistently unable to refrain from engaging in despite negative consequences. The, The substance or action itself may be benign to ordinary people. From this point of view, the addiction is in the user, not in what is used. So, for that addict portion of the population, what does a world with legal marijuana mean? Well, let me think about this. I'm intrigued by the idea that addiction now is defined as 
something that you do that you can't stop doing despite negative consequences. But the problem with marijuana is is much of what we've been defined defining as a dependency as a problem are the negative consequences that are manufactured by society. The the fact that marijuana is illegal and can get you thrown in jail. And so like if you smoke pot and then you get busted for it and you go to jail and then you get out and then you smoke pot again. Now you're an addict because you're doing something that you know could get you thrown in jail? Or is it the fact that we're manufacturing a consequence that shouldn't naturally exist for that substance? Same thing with P-testing for school or for work. Well, he kept on smoking pot even though he knew he'd get P-tested for work. Does that make him an addict or does that make him a victim of an unjust policy? See, this is where I think it changes these definitions. Don't touch that dial. We're right back to Radical Russ in just a few minutes. Hey, does anybody really have a dial anymore? You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show. As we move forward, that's the question is, are you suffering actual negative consequences of marijuana use or negative consequences of marijuana prohibition. Now, if if the marijuana use itself, you know, you're getting too high, you're sleeping in, you're forgetting stuff, you're not passing tests, it's messing with your brain, you're not behaving in a motivated manner. Yeah, I can buy that for a dependence, but not just you've suffered the manufactured consequences of prohibition. son of a Polish immigrant who grew up in a Brooklyn tenement. He went to public schools, then college, where the work of his life began, fighting injustice and inequality, speaking truth to power. He moved to Vermont, won election and praise as one of America's best mayors. In Congress, he stood up for working families and for principle, opposing the Iraq war, supporting veterans. Now he's taking on Wall Street and a corrupt political system, funded by over a million contributions, tackling climate change to create clean energy jobs, fighting for living wages, equal pay, and tuition-free public colleges. People are sick and tired of establishment politics, and they want real change. Bernie Sanders, husband, father, grandfather, an honest leader, building a movement with you to give us a future to believe in. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody. 11 after the hour here, Rolla J Studios in beautiful legal potland, Oregon, coming to you live on CannabisRadio.com. And for those of you listening live going, where's the iTunes feed? Where's the Stitcher feed? Where's the RSS feed? I agree. I'm a little bummed about that, but we're getting it all ironed out. We're getting it all fixed. We're getting that stuff taken care of. You've got to understand CannabisRadio.com is a pretty new 
sort of venture. And so there's still some things that are being worked on. Speaking of stuff being worked on, my dream of touring the nation in a Rust Belleville show RV may be one step closer to fruition. The fill in the back tour may actually happen. I don't know too much about it. We're going to get on a call and talk about that. But I got asked if uh, is that something you'd be into <laughs> living part of the time on the road? I'm like, are you kidding? I'd live all the time on the road if I could. So we shall let you know as soon as we know here. Quick news for media and entertainment. The Wu-Tang Clan has just sold the highest priced album ever. Highest priced album ever. The, the previous record was a $300,000 purchase of a rare acetate recording of Elvis Presley's first song. Jack White from the White Stripes bought that. $300,000. The most expensive single album ever sold, though, is now from the Wu-Tang Clan, which made a secret album called Once Upon a Time in Shaolin. And they pressed one copy. It's a double album, and there exists only one copy. Once Upon a Time in Shaolin was sold to a private American collector for a price in the millions, and it took months to finalize the contracts and legal protections. <laughs> and uh, a significant portion of the millions will be donated to charity. Very interesting. Um, the album's existence was confirmed two years ago and will be hidden from the public ear for the foreseeable future. Interesting. So there you go. Most expensive album in history in the millions sold to a private American collector. You're listening to the Russ Belville show here earlier on the show. I discussed the, uh, the art link letter gambit, which is when Puritans and prohibitionists say, well, you know, the only purpose of smoking marijuana is to get high. You can drink and be doing other things. You could be just drinking to be social. You could smoke a cigarette and drive a car, like Kevin Sabet likes to say. So much you can do on these other drugs, that, you know, but, but you smoke marijuana. You're just smoking it to get high. Folks, the reason people take drugs is to gain the pharmacological effect of those drugs. And high is a, a matter of interpretation. Drunk is a form of high. Your mind is altered. Smoking cigarettes is a form of high. Your mind is altered. And one of my uh, fans on Twitter out there, at Radical Russ, Mr. Flibble007, gotta love the handle there, Mr. Flibble007, when I when I tweeted out that, you know, social drinkers just, just drinking to be social, they're not using it for as a drug, he responds, what, what? Does that mean like using it as a poultice or to disinfect wounds? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Using the cigarette. That's what they were using. They were using their alcohol and tobacco for other purposes. Yamathan out there responds to the, um, the, or- the Oregon article about the guy saying that uh, his son's job prospects will be so much better now that there'll be so many potheads in Oregon. He responds with, My son is an honor student, doesn't have enough snide heft nowadays, I guess. 
Absolutely correct. Thank you. <clears throat> and in other news that we broke earlier today, Richard Lee from uh, the Reform California camp has broken ranks and endorsed the Sean Parker Adult Use of Marijuana Act. More billionaires and more leaders once again getting on board with the idea of we need just one initiative in California. We cannot afford to have competing initiatives. California needs to be laser focused. It all hinges on California. California wins, legalization's done. I mean, it's a matter of time for all the states to flip, but they will, right? Once California falls, federal prohibition falls. Once federal prohibition falls, state prohibitions fall one after the other. But if California loses, oh my God, if California loses, and maybe... Nevada and Arizona lose, but maybe they don't. Who knows? But if California loses, it creates this significant swing in momentum. It creates a new meme or a new frame for our opponents to say, no, legalization is not inevitable. Even California rejected it. And I can come up with scenarios in which California would reject legalization. If a significant portion of the stoners against legalization see the Sean Parker initiative as being the corporatization of marijuana that'll be controlled by a monopoly or an oligopoly, I can see them generating a significant opposition to it within the base. I can see another significant opposition within the base among those who are already in the medical marijuana industry, those who already have their medical marijuana recommendations, who already think California is pretty damn legal. Hell, I go to the cups and I got I go to my dispensary and buy weed. Nobody ever bothers me. Why should we why should we mess with it? They'll just put more regulations on it. It'll just be more regulated. I can already feel that building in California. And who knows what sort of news we start getting out of Washington, Colorado, Oregon, Alaska that might influence the more conservative voters. We're going to have to get a significant portion of them in California. People think of California as San Francisco and L.A., but it's not. There's a lot of San Diego and Fresno and Orange County in there, too. And you're going to have to get a significant number of them. And so what happens if this Washington study of, of more more uh, uh, marijuana smoking drivers getting into fatality accidents starts to gain some traction. But if there's some high profile problems with edibles or extracts that goes down in Colorado, maybe these pesticide warnings start to cause more people to have some hesitancy. Maybe the drought in California continues to worsen. All sorts of things that, that could have an effect and in, in, in politics, you know, between now and the 2016 election, and I know it's less than a year away, but that's a long time in politics. A lot of things could happen. So I think it's kind of cool that Richard Lee has broken ranks and gotten out in front of this thing. And let's try to get this part solved now. Let's just agree that, look, the Sean Parker initiative's got billionaires, plural, behind it. It's got Pritzkers. It's got Sean Parker. It's got DPA. It's got MPP. And they're big money backers behind them. Let's get all on board with that one and make it the best one it can be, rather than continuing to divide our attention and our resources among multiple competing initiatives and groups. It makes no sense, and California is far too important for us to play these games.
unbelievable. Thank you, Simon Cowell. What's that guy up to these days? It's 420 here in the Pacific Time Zone. I've got the strong silicone glow-in-the-dark foldable, unbreakable bong. And we've got some legal Chem Valley strain grown by Greenwise, tested by Cascadia, 19.56% THC. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your Cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPAs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. Tokers. There's no good reason to get your dog stoned. While it might not harm them physically, imagine being a dog who already begs for treats all day, and then imagine that dog having the munchies. Not cool. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Everyone knows music and marijuana go together. So let's wind up our 20 after break with the Russ Belleville Show's Daily Toker Tunes, the best in pod safe 420 music from around the web. Today is Electric Tuesday, featuring the latest in electronic dance music and other cutting-edge genres. Now, sit back and enjoy your Daily Toker Tunes. All right, folks, time for us to get into our Daily Toker Tunes, uh, Electric Bob curates our music library of electronica and uh he usually joins us here on telephone from phoenix arizona unfortunately unable to join us today so we'll get straight to the music for you from boards of canada is the name of the group and the song is called satellite anthem icarus enjoy
Get.Buzz. .Buzz is the internet platform that fuels community interest, excitement, and new experiences. .Buzz is the premier online destination for internet users seeking the latest news on a variety of topics. .Buzz appeals to groups active in blogging, communications, journalism, advertising, and marketing. .Buzz offers registrants a stronger alternative to the shrinking namespace of existing top-level domain names, such as .com, .net, and .org. Get your name now at get.buzz. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. You're listening to 420 Radio. Listen Fridays at noon Pacific for Potstock Radio, podcasting at potstockradio.com. We are the voice of and for the legal marijuana and hemp financial sector. We interview CEOs and leaders of publicly traded companies related to the American and Canadian cannabis industries. Check our online listings for Potstock Radio with Eric, Rye, and Trace from potstockradio.com. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. Welcome back, everybody. 30 after the hour. We're at the bottom of the hour here at Rolla J Studios on the Russ Belleville Show. It's Toker Talk Radio. Phone lines open at 971-533-7111. If you've got any comments, questions, anything you want to talk about, the line is open. So uh, other news that I wanted to talk about goes to my beloved college football. There's a story in the Lexington Herald leader that's uh, in Kentucky about the epidemic of marijuana use in college football. Talking about Florida State University defensive back Greg Reed, a first round NFL prospect. University of Florida defensive back J.C. Jackson, an elite playmaker. University of Central Florida running back Will Stanbeck. But the links to marijuana altered their career. At least 12 University of Florida players have been linked to marijuana use by law enforcement since 2011. And that number is not considered exceptionally high for major college football programs. When schools announce that football players have been suspended, many immediately suspect marijuana use was involved. They usually go by the uh, euphemism, undisclosed rule violations. Got caught smoking weed. Jimbo Fisher, Florida State, says it's an epidemic. Athletes enter college addicted to the drug that they've seen used in their communities and in some places, even their homes. And that schools are stuck enforcing the rules of college football 
that haven't caught up to society's acceptance of marijuana. And of course, they bring up the fact that the NFL is testing for marijuana. So if you're here at college, in our elite college football program, your goal, one of your goals is to try to make it to the NFL. So, well, we can't have you smoking pot. Now, this, of course, is something that these college coaches and NFL executives want to pretend is a problem. But really, they're more than happy to profit off of it. And what I mean by this is those players that I just listed at the beginning there, Greg Reed and the others, are the kind of players that if they go in the first round and they go in the first few picks, get really, really monster contracts. Big, big money. But if they get caught with some weed, supposedly drops their stock, they end up going in the second round, then some of these NFL executives get themselves a real bargain. They get a superstar level player at just a star level player price. So maybe they're just not too concerned about changing anything about the way this is working. Because marijuana use and detecting marijuana use through the use of urine screens is really about maintaining economic control over a certain segment of the population. It's really about make work and pretend dealing with problems rather than actually dealing with them. And it's just such a shame, too, when we know how beneficial medical cannabis is to people that suffer from head trauma, that that get concussions, they get those traumatic brain injuries, of which football is known for. That these guys would be directed away from using something that could save their mind, could save their brains, and could save the people around them too, because a lot of these traumatic brain injuries do lead to personality changes and lead to these guys being more violent and less able to control impulse. Marijuana can help them with that. But we send this signal to these college kids, these college athletes, not to use marijuana. And so what are they going to do when they want to relax and have some fun? They're going to drink. Something far worse for their career potential and for their life potential. We've got 5.9% of college students smoking marijuana daily or near daily. One in 17. Daily or near daily among all college students. Now, of course, all these coaches will say it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter until they change the rules. I don't make the rules. I just enforce them. That's what they'll say. And for many of these young people, keep in mind that if you're on a college football team these days, you're between the ages of 18 and 21, maybe 22. Unless you're at BYU and you took two years off for your Mormon 
mission, so you're 25, but whatever, right? You're in that 18 to 25 demographic. 25 years ago was 1990, right? 25 years ago? Make sure I'm doing my math right. Double check me. Okay. So 25 years ago was 1990. And by the time even the oldest college football player was six years old, California was passing medical marijuana. For some of these freshmen, 18 to 21, you know, up into the seniors there, but the younger guys, they've never been cognizant of there not being medical marijuana. If you're 18 years old, there's always been medical marijuana. It's always been something people can use for medicine. And so it's it's got to be incredibly difficult to try to convince these young people when they get hurt at practice that the trainers got some sort of opioid for them, got some sort of pill for them. It's going to be hard to convince them that that's okay, but not the non-toxic healing herb that's been shown to be good for swelling, pain, and mental, you know, in brain trauma. And helps you mentally, helps you relax, helps you chill. Do you know what the life of a college athlete is like? Especially these high-end football player types. I know they're teaching them underwater basket weaving, yada, yada, yada. But still... These guys are doing practices two-a-days sometimes, having to travel so much and sleep in cramped airplanes and buses with their big frames. Trust me, that's not fun. And attend classes and turn in tests. And I know there's corruption at some of these universities and they get people to take stuff for them and so on. But the guys that are doing it for real have busy, hectic lives. They're not allowed to work can't really have jobs because of stupid NCAA rules as far as what how they can make money in school. And so we're going to take weed away from them too. Something that could benefit them physically and mentally. And we're going to push them toward drinking. And in doing so, risk their health. Make them have to choose between their health with drinking or their career with marijuana. The only problem here is that these schools force these athletes to miss half of the next season. This is during the playoffs, right? If, they, if they're getting into bowl games, playoff semifinals and title games, and they test positive, they miss not only the playoffs, but they miss half of the next season. And it's just destroying these guys' careers and, and 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 altering really the competitive landscape of college football in and of itself. Yeah, that situation with Oregon with the playoffs last year where they didn't have Carrington, wasn't it? Carrington, their receiver, big play guy, could have made a big difference in the game. Lost him for you know pot test. It's just. It's just unfathomable now that we have legal marijuana states and we have these college and pro football games that are sponsored so heavily by alcohol and so reliant on pharmaceuticals that to continue this hypocrisy, to continue to demonize marijuana and the students that choose to use it, 
is just untenable at this point. It's got to change, and it can't change at the college level until it changes at the NFL level. The NFL is going to have to come to terms with this as well. And I'm thinking after getting sued for concussions and having $750 million settlements and those kind of things, maybe the NFL, it would behoove them to try to embrace medical cannabis, something that could actually help their athletes rather than continuing to demonize it and and continue that ripple effect that demonizes it all the way down to the college level. Continue the conversation with Radical Russ online. Visit RadicalRuss.com and email RadicalRuss at gmail.com. When we come back, we'll take a look at the uh, Dabbers Extreme videos they put up on YouTube. And is that having an effect on the perception of marijuana legalization? We'll be right back. I'm Radical Russ. from the Herb Thrasher Flower Hour. Now get ready for Herb Age Designs for the proud cannabis consumer. Herb Age Designs. Lifestyle gear for the 420 friendly. Herb Age Designs. We've got Frisbee golf discs and durable hemp gear. Herb Age Designs. We've got shot glasses, drinking glasses, coffee mugs, and beer cozies. Check us out on Facebook and online at HerbAgeDesigns.com and follow Herb Age and Herb Thrasher on Twitter. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal drugs. This is Radical Russ encouraging you to take a look at the Weed Blog every day. Johnny Green and the staff at the Weed Blog are on top of all the latest developments in the fight to end marijuana prohibition nationwide. You can even get the Weed Blog on your smartphone by installing the Weed Blog app for iPhone and Android. If it's about weed, it's on the Weed Blog, including my original writing. So don't delay. Read the Weed Blog today. Welcome back, everybody. 43 after the hour. Live here on CannabisRadio.com. I'm Radical Russ in our final segment. Talking about the perception of marijuana legalization, and there's this very long article in the uh, Phoenix New Times that I've been uh, perusing. Uh, Prohibitionists like Arizona County attorneys Sheila Polk and Bill Montgomery insist that pot is hurting people. All they lack is real evidence. And it's uh it's a a good read, a really long read. It talks about the the Kirk case where the uh the man ate the uh the marijuana edible and then killed his wife. 
Christine Kirk. But it's interesting in that the county attorney who's charging the case is charging it as first degree murder. See, if if you're charging someone that marijuana drove him crazy, made him crazy enough to kill, that can't be first degree murder. First degree murder is murder with premeditated intent. Right? So the premeditated intent of this guy wanting to kill his wife cancels out the idea that marijuana made him do it. He already wanted to kill his wife. So that's that's an interesting point that was made in this article. Another point being made here is about Levi Tamba, the uh, the college student who uh, jumped from the balcony after eating a marijuana cookie, and points out that even if you take these as being marijuana deaths, we're talking about one in a million type cases here. So rare that it's ridiculous uh, for us to even worry about this. And we point out also that the addiction, or I'm sorry, the overdose that you'd get from marijuana doesn't have any effect on our breathing functions. Like alcohol can lead to brain damage too much booze can shut down your breathing and sus- and suppress your gag reflex, leading to choking deaths. Six Americans die of an alcohol overdose daily. Six people will die every day from drinking. Not from the effects of having a, you know, cirrhotic liver or getting in a, a, a car re- accident while drunk or, you know, dying of an organ failure because you were a lifetime drinker. Right. Those will happen as well. This stat is six drinkers just from the poisonous effect of drinking will die. College kids that drink too much and die. Anybody of any age who drinks too much and dies. But when we talk about even the guys doing the mega dabs, here's a video they've got posted here. Ten dabs in one breath. Uh, 90 servings of THC in an edible. I mean, the, there's the famous case of the cop. Do you remember the stoned uh, cop case? That was a great one. Uh, let's see if we've got that audio for you here. The, the cop in 2006 who uh, thought he was dying of a marijuana overdose had to call 911. Check this one out. We've removed some personal information from the following 911 call. You will hear tone where the information has been removed. Or a week. My folks take. Do you want emergency? Yeah, can you please send rescue uh, to. I think I'm having an overdose of this girl as my wife. Okay, you and your wife? Yes. Overdose of what? Marijuana. But I don't know if it had something in it. Okay. Can you please send rescue? Okay, how old are you? I'm 28, 29 years old, and my wife is. Uh, 26. Please come. 26? Yes, please. Have you guys been drinking also? What? Have you guys been drinking today too? No, that's it. No, and is there any weapons in the house? No, please come. Okay, we're on our way. You guys, are you guys like, do you guys have fever or anything? No, I'm just, I think we're dying. Okay, how much did you guys have? Uh, I, I don't know. We made brownies and I think we're dead. I really do. Okay, uh, how much did you put in the brownies? I don't know. I, I, I Was it a bag? Who made the brownies? I, 
Um, my wife and I did. Cuba, come here. Okay, get her. She's on the she's on the living room ground right now. Is she breathing? She's barely breathing. Is she awake? She, uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay, can you look? Pardon? Can you look? Could I, yeah, I could feel her. She's laying right down in front of me. Time is going by really, 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 really slow. Okay, well, I'm on the phone with you, and you don't, do you, don't, do you know how much of it you bought and put in the brownies? Pardon? How much did you buy? I don't, I, just please send rescue. They're on the way, but I'm trying to figure out how much you bought and put into the brownies, sir. Probably like a quarter ounce total. A quarter ounce total into yeah. the brownies? Did you guys eat all the brownies? Yeah, we did. Okay. And so you ate all of them. But how many? Was it a big patch, a little bit? That's the famous a, story. And, of course, that was a former Dearborn, Michigan police officer who uh, did lose his job after that uh, went viral. But uh, <laughs> there you go. That's about as bad as it gets from a marijuana overdose. And even as they bring up these statistics, and they're going to bring up statistics of kids being admitted to emergency rooms for having eaten marijuana, it's important that we point out that all this statistic tells us is more reporting of that problem. Not necessarily that it's happened more. Now that marijuana has become more acceptable and legal in some places, the decision as to whether or not you call to let them know your kid ate your marijuana stash becomes a lot easier to make. In the, in the past, you might just wait it out. Well, it's just weed. It can't really hurt my kid that bad, can it? Not as bad as the kid getting taken away if I call the cops or if I call the ambulance and they find out I've got weed in the house. Maybe we'll just wait it out. People don't have to make those decisions anymore. So, yes, maybe there is more reporting of marijuana when it's being ingested by kids like that. That does not necessarily mean that it's happening more often. All right, folks. Well, we're going to call it a day for the day. So I don't know if you can hear it, but I think I'm getting sick. I'm getting uh, something happening with my voice here. So we're going to call it about 10 minutes early. Let go of the studio for the next show on CannabisRadio.com. Hoping you're getting ready for a happy Thanksgiving holiday. And keep in mind, we will be off the air on Thursday and Friday celebrating the Thanksgiving holiday. So tomorrow will be our last show of the week. We're going to try to get Doug Fine on the line to tell us what's happening with industrial hemp in America right before we head out to Thanksgiving. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com and Roller J Studios, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Story!